It's Free Talk Live. It's the work of Madman and we're on the hook. The global populace apparently mistook. Based on mandates full of fear. It's an inside job and we don't want to have to wear the face diaper. Wear the face diaper! It's a dirty cloth worn by dirty men. And the street of love, doesn't give a damn. Dystopian with the threat of jail It's an inside job and we don't want to have to wear the face diaper Wear the face diaper Wear the face diaper That's right, wear the face diaper I was uh, personally inspired by the events of COVID, very specifically the whole masky business uh, that was going around where people were, I mean, really just chastising other people for, you know, not, not doing what they thought they should do. You're not worrying. Oh, my God, you're going to get you're going to kill grandma. You're making me uncertain of my choices. Yeah. So I have something today that I think is a win for free speech that I want to talk about. But before we do that, it is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday night edition. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. And Peakless Mountaineer. And joining us remotely? Mark Edge from Honduras. Hey, there you are. We got you now, brother. Here I are. There, there you be. There you are. If you weren't there, you'd be somewhere else. Indeed. <laughs> Be somewhere else in just a moment if you'd like. <laughs> no, 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 stay. Don't go anywhere. Stay right where you I, are. I can stretch the arm on this mic at least two feet. Okay. Uh, the telephone number because we are a live call-in radio talk program is six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Again, six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Um, we'll just kick things off. This from zerohedge.com. We've talked about this. On a previous edition of Free Talk Live, I'm not exactly sure when. It's been some time, but here we go. Mask-wearing German judge acquits C.J. Hopkins in, quote, Nazi-promoting tweets, unquote, case. Six months after renowned American author and satirist C.J. Hopkins was first charged, found guilty, and sentenced for daring to dissent against the state's increasing authoritarianism by tweeting an image of a mask with a swastika image shining through, he finally had his day in German court. So uh, the man made a tweet during this whole masky business. Uh, It was an image of one of these cloth medical masks. You're familiar with them. You saw them. Uh, And he just had like a like a vague image of a swastika, like a, you know, trying to poke through the colors or whatever, that kind of a thing. Apparently in Germany, this is a no-no. Oh, yeah. Because of, well, you know, the Nazis. Yeah, you, you are not allowed to own a swastika in that country. They will put you in jail for that. So he, he finally went to court, and in his own words, 
it went pretty well. <laughs> Which is, you know, not usually the case when somebody goes to court facing, you know, some sort of attack by right. government. When yeah, you, you go to court being accused, literally being accused of being a Nazi, expect it to go poorly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we followed this grotesque legal drama closely over the months as Hopkins exposed thought crimes as the road to totalitarianism. He discussed the continued criminalization of dissent, and he has warned Americans that the First Amendment won't save you. Quote, I do not mean to imply that fighting this global crackdown on dissent in the courts is futile. On the contrary, it's one of the only strategies we have, and I will certainly be doing that vigorously here in Germany. I'm just trying to dissuade my fellow Americans from feeling immune or even superior on the account of the U.S. First Amendment and misconceptions about Germany and Europe. And fight he did with, ironically, a mask-wearing judge (laughs) who begrudgingly acquitted him this week of the charge of, quote, disseminating the emblems of a national socialist organization, unquote. I am shocked. And whatever the opposite of appalled is. I, I, I'm just I, glad they said national socialist. You know, I appreciate that, too. As opposed to, like, <laughs> regional socialist well, or global socialist. Well, I mean, No well, one realizes that's what the Nazis literally were. They were the National yeah. Socialist German Workers Party. Yep. It was socialism. It was always socialism. So every time someone feeds you a line of nonsense like, oh, well, on the far left, there's socialism and communism, but on the far right, there's fascism. No, no. Fascism is socialism. Always has been. The only difference is that communism espouses global socialism and fascism espouses national socialism. So with national socialism, your nation becomes socialist and then takes over the world. Whereas with communism, all of the nations become one socialist conglomerate. Hmm. I see. I used to have a coin that I carried in my pocket, and it was a a five-mark coin. And it basically on it says something to the effect of um, uh, from each to one basically you know the 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 kind of uh, captain kirk mr spock thing uh, from the many to the one or whatever they're, right. they're saying no, no that was that was the needs of the many outweigh the, the yeah. uh, needs of the, needs few, of the right. few or the one whereas yeah. from the many to the one sounds like uh, our economic system yes and uh, basically i um I would carry this around to show that, in fact, the Nazis were socialists. You don't have, I mean, all you have to do is know the name um, and you'd realize it. But uh, it basically carrying a coin with a swastika in my pocket just didn't go over as well as I thought it might. (laughs) What? You know, it's surprising (laughs) how poorly Nazi paraphernalia tracks with most people. You know, like just trying to show them. I assume it's surprising because people do it. How I mean, how did you believe carrying around a coin in your pocket with a swastika on it was going to go? I believed that I was going to show people that are like, but but Hitler's a fascist and fascists are righties. I believe that I was going to show them. In fact, I have a, happen to have a coin that proves quite the opposite. But all they do is see a swastika and go from there. Mm, um, yeah. You know, frankly, to me, it's just more proof that your average person's an idiot. Well, yeah, I mean, and it took me did, some time post did, wake up to to like learn 
right? Like in school, in public school, they're like, yeah, Nazis bad. And then you see movies and films or whatever, like even the Marvel universe for that, uh, you know, Captain America fighting the Nazis, Nazis bad. Well, the Marvel universe can be forgiven. It was created by three Jews. Um, you know, so, I mean, of course, they've got that whole thing. going. Right. But but, but most people, when they see the swastika, they immediately think Nazis. They don't think, hey, this symbol actually predates Nazis. And it meant something completely different up until the Nuance. Nazis, up until the Nazis sort of you know, co-opted it in World War II or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they definitely don't think that. Well, and but, in this case, it doesn't mean that. It, right. it means the Nazis. Right. But it, it does mean that. But again, like <laughs> just because you have this thing, like no, 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 I have this to illustrate a point. People will not About believe Nazis. you. They will go, "Oh, <laughs> you actively carry around Nazi par- paraphernalia." I yeah, see what kind of a person you are. That's it. That's literally how it goes in their mind. Um, rather than, oh, this guy carries this around in order to show people that he, you know, he hears often enough that Nazis are righties and he's trying to show people. Nope. No, no, that's well, not what they think. So I like to listen to a lot of different sources for information and commentary. And what always astonishes me is that usually decent people on the left or on the right will say the exact same thing except they will replace the word left with the word right, depending on which one they are, when they're talking about authoritarianism. That's pretty great. So, yeah, yeah, they're such righties if you're on the left, and they're so far to the left if you're on the right, when no, no, you mean authoritarians. Yes. Both both sides don't lack for authoritarians over there. You know, I mean, they've got plenty of them, and so, you know, they're easy to point out for both sides. But the evil is in the opposite tribe and not in my tribe. Well, that's the divide and conquer strategy that uh, at least is working pretty darn well here Mm -hmm. in the United States. Well, why do you think Klaus Schwab's voice shudders when he says the word libertarian? As (laughs) people realize, wait a second, they're they're pitting us against each other because it's the same club ruling us on both sides. Like every time people realize that they start to turn against the real masters and that's the last thing that they want. I mean, any oppressive society cannot withstand the free flow of information and being made fun of. That's really their kryptonite. And and that's uh, like a lot of people are like, well, what you want people to just be able to like sport swastikas. It's like, how am I supposed to make fun of them if they don't? I mean, this has been my bit well, about... You could wear a swastika in America, and I almost never see one. Except in your pocket. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Except you when know, I carried it. The only, the only time that I can remember seeing uh, somebody sporting a swastika openly was, uh, like, uh, some bikers that I was partying with, one of the guys had like the swastika tattoo, mm. right? Somewhere on his arm. Uh, and then, uh, there was another time when I was at like a punk rock show and some kid was wearing like the denim vest and had spray painted the swastika on the back of it. Right. And what do you think it means it meant to them? What, what did it mean to you that they had it on? Well, okay. So the biker having the tattoo, I'm pretty sure was just like him going like, Hey, I'm a white guy, and uh, this is my race. And you know, I think it was definitely a racial uh, a thing for for the biker, mm-hmm. for the punk rocker. I think he was just trying to be edgy uh, and you know get attention and that kind of a thing, yeah. uh, as evidenced by his jumping up on stage and from the stage, you know, doing a a stage dive into 
the we'll call it a mosh pit. I don't, you know, it wasn't really a, a, a mosh pit, but I'm a little iffy on that second one, honestly. Yeah, uh, Nazi punks are a very real thing and always have been. Like to the point that I very much agree with the song uh, titled "Nazi Punks F Off." <laughs> Because seriously, it's a big problem that, yes, we're anti-establishment, and there you are being kind of anti-establishment. You're just against this government. You want a different, worse government. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, COVID uh, taught me that all of your favorite uh, anti-establishment musicians are all fake Mm. Uh, because uh, there was only one band, as near as I could tell, that was playing live, and that was me and Arya and Mushmouth Mike at uh, Pork and Fork uh, during well, you know, a 2020. Lot of, a lot of bands wanted to play. They just couldn't get a venue that, that, to that, let them do that, it. That's BS, because if you're an artist, you make your own venue. Like, I've done this, right? When you can't get booked on a Saturday night, maybe it's like a holiday or a, something like that, and it's you know tough to book or you're late to the train, uh, you find somebody's house, right? Somebody's willing to throw a house party or a backyard party. You bring your own PA, and you make your own freaking venue. These bands who are like, oh, we really want to play, but we can't because the venues are closed are a bunch of freaking pussies who have no <laughs> idea what it means to be independent, to make your own way. If you're an artist and you really believe in what you're doing, if you really are anti-establishment, that was your call. That was your wake-up bell to be like, hey, man, we need to do some unique things, right? The man has closed down the regular-ass venues, so we need to do what artists have done throughout history and make our own frickin' venue because our art will not stop because of this crap. Instead, they all just wussed out because they're used to being plugged into a system with, like, tickets and pay to play and all sorts of other fun stuff that I don't really want to get into as far as being a a musician is concerned. But the fact of the matter is, were they hindered by venues closing because of, you know, mandates and government decree? Sure. Was there nowhere they could play? Absolutely not. There was plenty of places they could play. In fact, I'm sure some of the churches that held services in spite of these lockdowns would have welcomed them to set up their gear in their freaking parking lots and put on a show. Well, all the they could have they could have sung hymns, <laughs> something, man. Like well, all the established anti-establishment types, pardon the phrase, were more held back by not wanting to upset their radio or their record labels. Yeah, if they're lucky enough to like have one, right? There's there's so many independent like the misfits themselves. They're they're so independent, they're their own record label, right? They came up, they got you know on some and labels. Why didn't they had they some, play. You know, I this I you Misfits. Know, drop the ball. Again, right? You know, I'm looking at I've listened to rebellious music for all my life. I'm drawn to that kind of crap, especially if it's rock and roll. Heavy metal, hard rock, right? Like, the, this is my genre that I live in. And there's plenty of it. There's plenty of songs that are anti, right? Anti-establishment, anti-authoritarian, anti-this, that, the other thing, right? There's plenty of it. And, like, during this whole COVID thing, everybody just became a giant pussy and was like, no, no, I get, well, I guess we can't play live. Like, all they did is, like, they, they, they hold up in their, you know, rehearsal spaces and decided, well, I guess we better write another album for when this is all over. Right. That's what that's what the majority of these mm-hmm. people did. It's like we needed you and we like, needed you and you abandoned us. Yeah. Like that is when you need music. Music is for emotion. 
And this was a time where people were depressed, so depressed that our suicide rate skyrocketed and hasn't fully recovered. And what we needed was an outlet. We needed a place to mosh. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, there were two artists that um, did, you know, sort of buck the system, if you will. Uh, Who's the guy that wrote? uh, uh, Oh, uh, uh, Van Morrison. Van Morrison. Yes, thank you. Uh, Van Morrison actually did a whole EP of sort of like anti-authoritarian, you know, COVID's got to stop type of songs. And then Eric Clapton joined and like actually co-wrote a song with him. Um, So those are the two notable exceptions, right? And as far as I can tell, the only two, right? Van Morrison, not rock or heavy metal. Eric Clapton, not rock or heavy metal. Not anymore, anyway. He's more like, I don't know, adult folk or something at this point (laughs) in, in his career. But like, here are the two, like, sort of only rock stars standing up for everybody else's art. There was no theater, no plays, no orchestras, no jazz, no blues, no hip-hop, no DJs, no metal, no mosh pits, no punk rock, none of this. This was all shut down. There was no Art was not allowed, and yeah. there were only two freaking musicians in the entire world, near as I could tell, right, outside of, you know, me and Aria and, and Mushmouth Mike doing our thing at, at Porkfest. Yeah, I, I think they they finally solved the argument whether or not punk is dead. Punk died in 2020. Like, at that point, there was no rebellious music, yeah. present company excluded. I mean, the music in and of itself is still rebellious in nature. Is it? Well, it, it is. When you listen to it, if it evokes the emotion, then yes. But it's the artists themselves who have shown me... Over the last, you know, however many years it's been now, three, four years, that they themselves are not rebellious. Their music might speak on, I mean, on, on, on the subject of rebellion, but the artists themselves, no, not rebels. Hot Topic can sell a shirt that says anti-Hot Topic. Is it really a, <laughs> an anti-Hot Topic shirt at that point? It depends on how many they sell. <laughs> <laughs> if they sell zero, then it worked. <laughs> But seriously, like at this point, it's it's proof that all of the people that we were kind of looking to uh, from the left to the right mm-hmm. to stand up against tyranny all dropped the ball uh, uh, from from the musicians to the churches. They all abandoned us when we needed them most. One other artist. And, and yes, I do refer to stand up comedy as art, uh, who I will mention as sort of, uh, uh, you know, s- sort of stood up with Jim Brewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of doing stand-up comedy at, you know, the stand-up comedy clubs, because they were all closed, too, mm-hmm. uh, he decided to take his show on the road, literally, and, and played here in Keene at uh, the Drive-In Theater. It was the, the, the county fairgrounds that uh, were made up to be uh, something resembling uh, a drive-in theater mm-hmm. uh, of old, and he took that sort of around the country as much as he could because mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know what else to do, man. Right. I got no venues. I can't book, you know, it's like these things are all outdoor. And what they would do is they would like, you know, square off these little squares, these little, uh, you know, wranglings of humans, right? If you weren't in your pod, then you were going to get a scolding by the by the security team there at the outdoor venue like you had enough space to park one car and then one car's worth of space for you and whoever was in your car to like bust out some lawn chairs and enjoy the show 
I remember there was a liberal uh, attorney in t- the Tampa Bay area on like Clearwater Beach walking up and down. This guy took the time to dress up like death with a big scythe and that kind of thing <laughs> nice. and point his finger at the people on the beach like they were going to die. They're, they're spreading COVID. Now, this isn't just some kook. This is an attorney who managed to make it through seven years of school and got a you know the you know got a rating by the bar you know he's he's something and there he is out there we're all gonna die you're killing us all kooks yeah so anyway uh going back to cj and his trial in germany he says i was acquitted technically it isn't all over because the prosecutor has a week to appeal the decision but given the circumstances i doubt he will he made a total fool of himself in front of a large audience yesterday. Yay! I love it when judges make fools of themselves. Yeah. In front of large audiences. And prosecutors. Yeah. Uh, he says, I can't imagine that he will want to do that again. Uh, as Ava Velasquez reported in her reasons for the judgment, the judge stated that the acquittal counteracts your statements that you live here in a totalitarian state. So uh, he's saying, basically, uh, your your images that you posted claim that you live in a totalitarian state. Uh, the acquittal proves that you do not. Does it? There you go. Does it, it really? Yeah. I mean, I I will grant that the opposite would have been true. If they had, in fact, put him in jail mm-hmm. for putting a swastika behind his mask, that would be pretty good proof that he lives in a totalitarian state. Which is what they did. But but then they no 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 him. worse than that they put him in jail for posting an image on Twitter yeah. of a mask with like a swastika attempting to show through uh, on the colors of the fabric so uh, yeah, yeah. sticky wicket you know six zero three two eight three six one six zero do you think you would be jailed for sporting a swastika it's free talk live give us a call more free talk live is coming up. So you've signed the Shire Society Declaration and are planning your move to New Hampshire to be around more liberty-oriented people. Next, sign up for the Shire Society Forum at forum.shiresociety.com. There are a bunch of people there who are already in the Shire, and they want to meet you. If you're already in the Shire physically, you should also come by the forums. Remember, not everyone uses Facebook. New people are signing up for the Shire Society Forum every month. So drop in and say hello at forum.shiresociety.com. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in and listening to tonight's edition of Free Talk Live. If you're not familiar with the show, you can find out all about us over at freetalklive.com. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass. Joining me, Peakless Mountaineer, and joining us remotely from Honduras, Mark Edge. Uh, before we go on, social.freetalklive.com is back online. We apologize for the delay, but you are now free to resume posting. 
to our Mastodon server at social.freetalklive.com. Uh, many folks were like, hey, what's going on? You know, hey, I can't get on the, the Tusky using your server or whatever. And, Extended you know, technicalities. Yeah, we basically had to fire up a, a whole different server. So uh, that's done. Uh, it's its own independent thing now. Mastodon is free, open source, decentralized, and federated. Multiple are apps. Uh, sorry, multiple apps are available for you on iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, Linux, etc. Uh, visit social.freetalklive.com. If you're already on, uh, just go ahead and, and launch your app and uh, you know hit refresh if you have to. But everything should just be working now, uh, as I found out uh, myself whenever I was told it was back on. And I was asked to check, and I was like, yep, everything looks fine. So uh, back to normal. So there you have it, folks. All right. Um, before we talk more about this story about CJ and his acquittal over in Germany uh, under the guise of free speech, let's go to some of your calls and thoughts. We've got Greg calling from New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, y'all. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to first say a couple of words about the rockers you know i was born in the 80s so i didn't catch the whole rock and roll scene in the 60s and 70s but i could tell you what i know about it yeah they were anti-establishment they were counterculture and here's what's interesting there was a flu pandemic whoever was alive in the 60s probably remembers this in 1968 which also originated in china Mm -hmm. and uh, killed around three million people uh, just for comparison, COVID has killed 7 million uh, mm-hmm. to date globally. So in 1969, while this pandemic was still going on in the United States, they had Woodstock. They had a lot of people just come out and never mind the drugs and all the other stuff that they were doing in counterculture. They all got together. Yeah. And at that time, the you know, the hippie movement and everything and the originating California and all this stuff going on. They and today, all of these uh, lefties are no longer anti-establishment. Uh, they're very much in league with the establishment. Oh, yeah, a lot they of the time, definitely it's are the establishment. Yeah, and I want to point out too that what what was Woodstock, right? It was a farmer's field. Mm. They like they like found a farmer with some acreage. And was like, hey, can we put on a big old outdoor show? We'll bring in, you know, a PA. We'll bring in a stage. You know, we'll, you know, figure out parking for people, et cetera, and so on. And that's what they did because no one else was going to host that thing. <laughs> None of the existing venues. And I'd like to point out, exactly. if the hippies can get off their butts and do it, you can too. Right. <laughs> There was a pandemic. <clears throat> they were doing it in the middle of a pandemic. So yeah. that's one thing. It was a super spreader event, and, um, and that's why it killed a third of the American population. Oh, oh, that didn't happen. Right, yeah. No, we actually talked about it here on Free Talk Live. I remember I covered a story very specifically about, hey, did you know that you know during Woodstock there was a pandemic and nobody was freaking out? Nobody was masking. Nobody was locking down, right? Uh, and so, yeah, you're spot on, Greg. Thank you. And I just wanted to ask you guys a question because of all this war going on. I can't even keep track of how many countries now are involved in wars, you know, as opposed to three years ago. But the one in Gaza, right? I was interested because I followed it. I was alive back then. I was looking at 2005. If you wanted a pure example of anarchy, it was Gaza. 2005, when the Israeli forces had withdrawn from Gaza, 
there was no one really there to, to there's no monopoly of force. Let's put it that way. Everyone had guns. The tribes are called Hamulas. They, you know, it was very tribal, like Highland clans in Scotland or something like that. Mm-hmm. And compare that to what happened once they had an election, right? And then they got a monopoly of force because essentially Hamas took over. Uh, Fatah didn't like them, had a civil war of some sort, and then Hamas just took over the whole thing. Confiscated everyone's guns. And no, since course. then, they had no elections, pretty much. <laughs> At least not, you know, can't get Hamas out. And my question is, like, are they better off? They were just didn't have a monopoly of force, and they actually, what could have happened if they didn't have an election and just continued to have tribes? You know, what well, would have happened? And I'd, I'd, think, I'd uh, like... I'd like to point out, too, that uh, Hamas could never have risen to power without the help of Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu in specific. Could not have happened. This happened in in part because these big players really wanted some big player here instead of those uh, instead of the diversified power. They wanted a monopoly on the force. That's right. And the U.S. pushed them. Bush them to have an election yep. and uh, everyone was like yes this is a great election jimmy carter was like it was a perfect election not meant much uh, corruption there and the problem wasn't the election <laughs> the problem was that they confiscated everyone's <laughs> guns and no one could change that government anymore <laughs> right yeah yeah uh, you know what i love about netanyahu that uh you know he's got yahoo right in his name <laughs> well and and i'd like to point out that this is a, an inevitability with a democracy so even if you have like an actual system of democracy where you like rotate people in, eventually you'll get a leader that has enough power to stop you from voting him out. I mean, it is an inevitability if you are rotating through leadership that you will get a leader that stops the rotation. Yeah. So, Greg, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to make you repeat. What, what was your question? Can you just reiterate that? My question was, since you guys are libertarians, right, uh-huh. and you guys prefer, presumably would prefer anarchy to a state or to monopoly on force. But mm-hmm. my question was, what do you think would have happened in Gaza had they not listened to Bush, never had an election, right, and continued to live in a tribal manner? Uh, do you, they would probably, in my opinion, they would probably never have had a blockade. And they probably would have just uh, welcomed uh, international uh, real estate developers and uh, and gotten hotels built or whatever. But um, because Maz decided to run, and they won, and then they took over the government, yeah. kind of like Nazis took over in that election, right, with, with the communists, the, the Reichstag fire, took over the whole thing. And since then, I think the people of Gaza have been uh, terrible, they're living under terrible conditions. Um, so anyway, I guess my, my question was, what do you think would have happened in a fantasy scenario where they didn't elect someone with a monopoly, of course? Let's, yeah. let's start with uh, Mark. Yeah, I personally don't like the term anarchy. I prefer terms like polycentric law. Um, Voluntarism. That, you know, the voluntarism, right? Um, you know, these things extol the 
the value of the individual and their opinion. Whereas democracy says, hey, look, if we can get 50 percent plus one to say uh, to support a particular candidate, then everything that candidate says is fine and dandy for the next four years. And you just got to suck it up, you know, and I think that to, to my mind, democracy is the opposite of what libertarianism is. I know that there's some, uh, I can see some value to it versus a despot, but you know, it uh, all, all in all, at some point or another, you're just going to get a tyranny of the majority. Well, I am all for a democracy. If you pick it, like if you want to live in this community and what they do is they have a vote and whoever gets 50% plus one, there will be done. Right, like if you join, and you uh, want to, yeah, you, you join a co-op or uh, uh, some of these, um, uh, like HOAs or even like trailer parks for that matter. Right, if you decide you're going to pay the lot rent for the trailer you just bought uh, in one of these co-ops, and in their terms and conditions of joining this co-op, it says, "Hey, once a year we meet to discuss things and we vote on that." And you go, "Okay, that's fine." You have voluntarily elected to participate in a democratic system. Yeah. As opposed to what we have politically, which is, as Mark pointed out, fifty percent plus one, forcing their preference on everybody else. Right. Well, and one of the biggest issues with America is encroaching on other countries. Right forcing america's will on other people which is just a higher level of what they do to their domestic population forcing their will on other people like right now uh marjorie taylor green is calling for a a separation uh, a national divorce Mm -hmm. why because she sees that this group is forcing their will on this group now she probably wants to force her will more effectively on her group Mm -hmm. but it doesn't change the problem And I'd like also to point out that the Nazis are another example of that democratic process eventually leading to leadership that stops the democratic process. So if you rotate leaders, sooner or later you're going to get a leadership that stops the rotation. Uh, We've already gotten leadership that, uh, you know, the the guy who left 300,000 guns for the Taliban is lecturing us (laughs) on gun violence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, to to answer Greg's question, I, I... I think that as long as you maintain the distribution of power, you will have greater peace. It won't ever be perfect, but it is as close to perfect as you can get. Now, are are they going to screw up in some other way? Maybe. But that way is always some form or another of centralizing power. There might be some imam that comes along and convinces them that they all need to listen to him. And then he makes a goon squad that takes away their guns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my guess is that uh, if the statists would have left the people alone, that the people would have found a way to cooperate. I'm, I'm very anti-intervention uh, when it comes to states, so I think the best strategy for states is to leave other people alone and let them figure it out. But I'm also very pro-trade. Exactly. I'm also very pro-trade, so like... You know, if people could have found ways to begin trading with these people to give them some sort of stability financially and economically and even socially, for that matter, when you start trading with people, you develop relationships. You can't help but have that turn into a social thing as well. 
It's kind of like when you go to work for any company, you make friends at your job, right? You know, so the same things occur. And in my mind, if people were allowed to trade freely with whoever the heck they wanted to, that these social networks would develop organically uh, and also the benefits of trading would sort of make themselves known organically as well if states could just get out of the way. The problem is... Everybody on planet Earth, it seems, has been so indoctrinated to believe that well, we as a society of, you know, five or 50 or 100,000 or 10,000 or a million or 50 million, 300 million people cannot exist without this organization of a monopoly on violence. And that's and I, the last thing I just. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Last, last thing I just wanted to say is like. Most of these wars, if you look at pretty much all of them in Yemen and Ukraine and Gaza, everywhere, it is you can trace it back directly to some country sponsoring uh, militants, okay, that then proceed to take over the government. I'm saying, for example, uh, in the Donbass region, Russia has sponsored the separatists on one end, mm-hmm. and NATO seems to have armed uh, people like the Azov Battalion eventually got on the other end. If you look at the Syrian civil war, you'll find that most of the militants uh, got their weapons because the U.S. invaded Iraq and because Saudis were uh, helping that. If you look at Afghanistan, the two million dead in the 80s was because funded the Mujahideen. And similarly today in Gaza, uh, and certainly Yemen, the Houthis, right? And Iran is sponsoring those. And then Iran has been enthusiastically helping Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. And so... If there's anything worse than a government um, in a state, uh, it is a foreign government trying to uh, undermine stability by arming and helping some organization against a state that's already stable. Like, yes, it could be, you know, yes, the state does have a monopoly on force. And yes, maybe the king is even a dictator or whatever. But you know what would be even worse? is once you have that stability for another state to just come in and be like, you know what, we're just going to take these disaffected people who really dislike this government, give them all guns, train them, and tell them, you go, guys, and create a civil war. Because that's like, the, in my opinion, the most destructive thing. And these other states are doing it enthusiastically, whether it's the United States or Iran or Russia or whoever. So that, to me, is like the most dick move. Is that okay to say the word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're too late. That no. do. You've said it, so you know. Uh, <laughs> it's the no, move it's, of a Richard. Yes, <laughs> it's a very Richard move. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, your point is taken, Greg. And awesome call as usual. Thank you so much, man. Have a great night. Uh, did you guys have anything to add? Yeah the only the only thing that people appreciate less than being threatened into obedience is not being threatened and forced. And that really is the difference between, I mean, like, I, I get why you want to avoid the, the word anarchy, because most people, when they think anarchy, yeah. what comes to mind, what they visualize is violent people forcing their will directly onto other people. Some guy with a bandana over his face chucking a Molotov cocktail. Yeah. What they fail to realize is that the alternative here that they're not considering, what what always is the status quo when they're so afraid of that is that that is just behind a veil the veil of threats that is always the threat that they will be violent if you don't do what they say and both of those suck 
And I'd like to point out, we have, you know, a democratic, democratically elected POTUS in the United States. And it wasn't too long ago that we had, I don't know, people chucking Molotov cocktails in the street. Um, it, you know, it's, it's not like you don't get, you vote for a president, you don't get Molotov cocktails. Right. Um, you know, the reality is, is that it, both sides can complain about uh, and do about uh, violence uh, of the other side that occurred in the recent past. Yeah. I'd point out, though, look at where those Molotov cocktails existed. Was it where people were armed or disarmed? Oh, that's a good question. Because I got to tell you, the only state that I know of where you can just walk around with a gun on your hip and that's okay is this one. And. Well- I got to tell you, there was no violence here. Well, there was no violence in uh, New Hampshire, that's for sure. Um, and but one thing that I would point out is is that I, I think it was in Milwaukee, maybe it was uh, Minnesota. I think it was Minnesota. The police station was burned down. I mean, oh yeah, Minnesota. if they wanted to use, yeah, if they wanted to, it use was violence, a mostly peaceful burning. They could have, like the cops, surely could have defended that and they didn't feel like they had the backing of their government would be my guess now i'm not saying that the cops should have got out there and shot everybody over a building but i'm also not saying that it's acceptable to burn down any building so that's my feeling yeah i i agree um (laughs) i i like that you brought up the the minnesota thing because um I always bring that up as a juxtaposition to like J six, right? Like if if January six was an insurrection, <laughs> then uh, the 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 burning in in Minnesota, the riots, if you will, the burning of the police station in Minnesota, what was that? <laughs> the whole world going burn, getting burned down. Apparently, it was a mostly peaceful protest. Didn't you listen to the news? <laughs> yeah, no, fiery, but mostly peaceful. It said it on the scrawler. I think that I think everybody, everybody who's honest about the situation realizes that J6 is a big deal because the people in power felt threatened that everything that happened with BLM wasn't a big deal because those people did not feel threatened. And that's the end of the story. Um, You know, this nation was founded by people who said things like, um, you know, when the people fear the government, you have tyranny. When uh, the government fears the people, you have liberty. And 250 years later, you've got, you know, some people taking an unauthorized tour of the White House where the guards opened the door for them, um, you know, imprisoned. Yeah. Well, there is definitely a, a, an asymmetry of information on January 6th, though. And it is sad to see that in this age, where we have access to all of the information easily, you can, I mean, well, I guess not all of the in, uh, information. We still don't have all of the tapes. Those are still being held back from us. But you have access to a tremendous amount of information. And you could go look and find out whether the image being presented by the media is accurate but people don't they take it at face value when cnn says x y and z yeah that's the unfortunate i i think that that's changing though the mainstream media is failing their viewership keeps going down and down uh they're only relevant to uh, maybe like uh boomers and up as far as age is concerned 
Uh, there's probably some Gen X in there that's still, you know, sort of glued to some of the mainstream media because, you know, they don't know any better. But I think starting with They Gen- lost a lot of the Gen X with Tucker. Totally. You know? And I think starting with Gen X and moving down into, you know, just the newborns, right, this year or whatever, like there's a lot less uh, people watching the mainstream media or at least being mesmerized by it, right? Because it used to be those were the only channels, those were your only, you know, sort of resources to get, you know, your news and, and all that kind of stuff from uh, was mainstream media, whether it was radio or television or the newspaper, right? It, it didn't really matter. Those were your only sources. Now we got the Internet and we got millions of independent sources, people like people that I think are journalists who aren't getting paid, whereas there's people who are called journalists who are getting paid just to tote the government line. Right. I like journalists for uh, like slow disasters. You know, if there's a hurricane coming, yeah, you know, I'll turn on the weather channel and I'll watch journalists. If there's a, you know, presidential primary occurring, then, you know, I'll tune it in and listen to what they have to say over the course of two hours while I do things uh, around the house. And that was you know, the most recent time. Oh, in football. I, I don't know if that counts as a slow disaster, but <laughs> depends on <laughs> certainly, who you're rooting for. <laughs> certainly the last primary does. <laughs> uh, so speaking of journalists, which is this article that we've been talking about, uh, CJ Hopkins, uh, he was acquitted uh, by a mask wearing judge. Uh, there's uh, a somebody calling themselves a People journalist. People are still wearing masks. Well, the judge was. They are in Germany. Yeah. Uh, well, and and remember, the mask has never been about its efficacy. The mask has always been about making you feel better. Yeah, obedience. Signaling. Yes, a making you feel better, and b telling everyone what tribe you're in. Yeah. So uh, this uh, other reporter, Ava Velasquez, uh, in her reason said the judge stated that the acquittal counteracts your statement that you live in a totalitarian state. She sensed a certain arrogance uh, in his statement along the lines of only he would have understood it. Everyone else is stupid sheep. The others may have been convinced by scientists. After all, it was a completely new situation. The subjective feeling that you see the new Nazi Germany emerging, you may already have something totalitarian about you. She herself was the granddaughter of Nazi victims, so he didn't need to put on airs here. In her opinion, Hopkins' statements were, she said verbatim, ideological dribble, but that it was not punishable by law. So that's an interesting take from a fellow journalist. That's a surprisingly enlightened take. Because, yeah, okay, it's something is ideological dribble. Great. Let them say it. Yeah. And if you feel that someone is taking that ideological drivel a little too seriously, spend some time tearing it apart. Either in an intellectual way or better yet, in a funny way. I have to say that I saw my fair share of authoritarianism during uh, COVID. Now, I was I didn't step foot in Germany during that time. But, uh, you know, I mean, authoritarianism is authoritarianism. And the swastikas come to mean authoritarianism. Yeah, I think yeah. that it was a I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call it a fair ball. 603-283-6160. We'll talk more about CJ. We'll take more of your calls. And we've got a lot more coming up for you. Hour two of Free Talk Live is next. 
protection. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. Filibuster. Holy state. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. So that you can enjoy the program. The telephone number here, because we are a live call-in radio program, is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. And Beakless Mountaineer. And joining us remotely from Honduras, Mark Edge. Mark Edge. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> but apparently you need four marks. <laughs> it holds uh, the seat up. <laughs> uh, isn't, that, isn't that what a hair lip dog says? Mark, 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 Mark. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I jest. I jest. Surely you jest. No, I'm not Shirley. Don't call me that. Uh, before we go on, I have to tell you all that Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project with a decentralized autonomous organization that to this very day continues to improve and promote Dash. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and easy to use Dash. You can learn more at dash.org. Again, dash.org. All right. So we were talking about this win, if you will, for freedom of speech out, out there in Germany where they do German things and they have German beer and German food. And, man, I'm thinking about beer. Yeah, and I got to say, <laughs> it is just such an oppressive tactic to be like, you are not allowed to use this thing that always conjures the idea of an oppressive state. Yeah, the well, then how am I supposed to complain about state oppression? <laughs> You're not. <laughs> well, yeah, if the state had... I mean, I mean that's that's less important than not triggering people and and making Nazis happen again. I will say that the judge did um has the judge has a high enough opinion of Germany itself to say that um hey we're not as authoritarian as you're saying we are. And the evidence for that is, is that I'm don't believe that the law actually covers this. Um, in many cases, I think the Germans are hypersensitive to their history um, surrounding world war two. And they ought to have, you know, some thoughts regarding it certainly, but at the same time, there are very, very, very few people alive that were alive at that time. So they're not responsible for that. Um, you know, it it never ceases to amaze me when I find some 27-year-old uh, Jewish person getting mad at some 32-year-old German person over things that occurred that neither one of them had any control over. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I'm with you on that. I, I, I that's we talk in these generational terms too frequently as as a as a, a species, in my opinion. Uh, in my opinion, things like boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, you know, et cetera, and so on, are divisive words. Right? They they are words that uh, are not there to help unify us. They are there to help uh, you know, divide us further. So much so that you'll hear, like without any logic behind them, you'll hear one generation blaming another generation, right? This isn't totally uncommon uh, prior to these terms, right? But before boomers, like, there wasn't really these generational terms, right? Prior to the greatest generation, right? Uh, and that kind of a thing. Well, I don't think the greatest generation referred to themselves. Um, you know, like the, I think that right. the generation started with the boomers. I think you're right on that point. Right. So like we have these, it's almost like it's a new astrology in a way, right? We have these, these assignments to, well, if you were born between this year and this year, instead of this month and that month, right? If you were born, then you're this type of person. And then people will speak generally about, that particular generation and those generalities, I, you know, I just don't know, man. I I think it's a I think it's bad form for humanity to talk about uh, generations uh, in that vague of terms. Well, I think the the ba- the baby boom uh, combined with a democratic state was the first time, at least in recent history, that two generations within the same culture were put absolutely at odds with each other. Yeah. Because that was the point where in order to get elected, you only had to get one demographic, this age group. If you got this age group to vote for you, you won. And that means that if you offered this age group to steal from this age group, then you would win. Because they, because everyone has some level of anxiety or another, and if you're anxious about, will my children love me enough to take care of me when I retire, and someone says, don't worry about that, we'll force them to, then that calms your anxiety, so you're perfectly fine stealing from those people, and incidentally, making sure that you steal from every generation after that, and that the next generation steals from every generation after them so on and so forth forever. So at that point, you had you had the culture divided against itself. So they created these terms to talk about a division that existed. I don't think it was I the also term. Wonder, I but, also wonder how much Social Security, you just mentioned it, um, it works in the other direction too. So like the, the oldsters don't have to be nice to their kids in order to get taken care of in their old age. Mm. Now they can, you know, they can go down uh, screaming and yelling at the very least they can afford a trailer in Florida and some dog food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly it. All of these things that the government takes over causes us to treat each other more and more poorly when the government, it's almost ha- as if it's almost as if the government is intention is to split us apart. Oh, almost? No, I believe that is the government's intention, because the more government can divide us and pit us against each other, the less time we have to take a look at them. Yeah. Well, and when you are in a business, you want to stay in business. So since their their job is conflict resolution, 
even though they do, of course, a terrible job at it, they do have a monopoly. So if they don't create conflict, they might find themselves out of a job. Uh, So going back to this article from Zero Hedge about uh, CJ and his plight in Germany, or his win, I guess I should say. It's It's not a plight anymore. Uh, the article says we look forward to CJ's full report on his substack of how it all went down. But for now, we congratulate him on beating this highly politicized show trial and scoring what is becoming less and less frequent, a win for free speech against the state. Until that report, uh, we have Hopkins' fantastic closing statement. Uh, we can only imagine what the looks on the judges and prosecutors' faces were as he unleashed this acerbic wit on their version of reality uh this is pretty lengthy so we can come back to this in just a minute because we have some callers that i want to get to let's first go to uh we've got tim in florida calling tim you're on free talk live pick a number one through eight uh do i say it out loud or just keep it in my head no say it out loud okay it's four four okay um settlers and idf members uh, what percentage of the population of Israel, uh, what, what percentage are IDF members by default, and what percentage, and I'm talking about adults. Ooh, uh, 100 of the male population, so 50. Okay. What you said 100. Well, 100% of 100%. the male population has to at some point serve in the Israeli Defense Force. I see the gals in uniform, though. So. And then, um, and then the the other question is uh, also settlers. You know, what percentage of the population, even if they are not IDF members, uh, what percentage of the population are settlers walking around with guns on their hips? I don't know. That I wouldn't know. Um, I'm curious if a settler can walk around in Palestinian territory with a gun on their hip. Can a Palestinian? Now, does that make them a military target if there is a population under occupation and they are resisting? Um, under international law, uh, would would armed settlers and would IDF members, even as young as 18 at a music festival, be legal military targets? Were the settlers, I, I, I think that the music festival was w- within the country of Israel, was it not? And I think that there's also, it's worth bringing up the difference between the West Bank and Gaza here is, is that they're two entirely different places. Right. Well, all of them. So, so Israel, as we think of Israel and West Bank and Gaza are all a part of Israel, because as far as Israel is concerned, uh, Palestine never existed, and that is the propaganda that they keep pu- pushing to the West. No, no surprise there. I mean, you know, na- nations love to claim land. Um, you know, Ukraine, the United States. Uh, these are some modern stories about uh, you know what happens when people you know disagree on who ought to be in charge in a given given tract of land. Yep. Uh, right. Now, there are people right now talking about drinking a mojito a year from now um, on, you know, within within what is currently considered Gaza. 
and, and these are Israelis. And also, I want to bring up the fact that anyone can convert to Judaism yes. at any time. This is not a 12-tribe issue. Anyone can convert to Judaism and move to Israel and become a settler with any of you can do it right now. So, so imagine, you know, it's something like the Free State Project, except it's the Tyranny State Project. And, and you can go over there right now, put a gun on your hip, and uh, burn somebody's house to the ground and take it over. We, anyone can do that. Any American with, with an American, uh, uh, you know, citizenship can become dual citizenship. I'm pretty sure that they regulate who gets to steal whose houses. Yeah. You can't just, yeah. like, go there and take someone's house. Well, but, but they have had instances where these uh, settlers sort of see an opportunity. They go in, they get a spot, and then uh, Israel doesn't really know what to do with a Jew that's outside of the Jew areas and inside of the Muslim areas. So they kind of say, well, maybe we'll make this a you know, a Jewish area too. So it gets really difficult in those circumstances. Um, you know, I mean, and we also have to mention that the Muslim countries around Israel have no intention of taking the Palestinians in. Okay. Well, and neither does Israel. You know, you would think if they're not Hamas and Israel doesn't see them as Hamas, then Israel would have taken them in before they started bombing. But that's another issue. Um, but what what is happening is, uh, yes, they are actually actively advertising property, uh, saying tomorrow we will drink mojitos uh, on, you know, on beachfront property in Gaza. And um, and I would also like to bring up... What, what do you I think the solution up. is? The solution... Actually, Mark, actually, you brought something up which probably is the closest thing to a solution because the state of Israel will not change. And um, so you brought up an interesting point. You know, during World War II, if the United States hadn't been so full of bigots at the time that, uh, you know, Jews could have come to this country. And at the same time, uh, whether you say, okay, well, why doesn't all of Israel come to this country? Or you can say, Palestinians, you come to this country, because the reality is the United States has dual citizens of both. Uh, both Israel and Palestine, and and no, the, you know, it's not federal policy. Yes, that would be a good solution. Um, if the United States really wanted to show a good face right now, they would say, okay, we're going to make uh, provision uh, for Palestinians who are under a brutal attack to come to this country, and, you know, but that's not happening. What do you think it would be like if the United States said, yeah, the Palestinians can come to the United States and, you know, maybe we'll section off this little section of uh, Nevada for them. Or uh, maybe maybe Detroit will say, hey, you can have some of these abandoned houses here um, or whatever. Do you think they would do well? How is it different than regular welfare? This is my problem is like like plenty of people get welfare that probably should go get a job. Right. And, a lot of them worked in Washington D.C. Yeah, right. That's the and and that's the thing. That is the thing. Is like any time people are like, let's give money to to these people. Those politicians are they're scalping a little bit, like they're skimming a little bit off the top. 
that's the reason they're supporting, like, let's give money to these people, let's redistribute, because they're skimming a little bit off the top. And the same thing, whether they're supporting the state of Israel, uh, and and I, I don't know what to say about, you know, people like Rashida Tlaib, um, who did not, she, she basically abstained from some resolution, you know, ca- ca- calling calling it what it is, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about this resolution of which you speak. I'm sorry. I can't remember. What is the difference between genocide and, and democide? I mean, I mean, what is genocide uh, from democide? Yeah, yeah, democide is just, when a government puts its people to death. Uh, okay. Genocide is where you eradicate an entire kind of people. Well, Palestine uh, is not recognized by Israel. Gaza is not recognized by Israel, so if they are occupied, that means they are a part of Israel, and that would make it a democide. It's, it's okay. a question. I'm I'm not against the uh, the terminology. I think it's a very sticky situation, and I'm not um, willing to, you know, like if there were people out there that seemed hell bent on setting my house on fire or, you know, firing rockets at my, me and mine. And, you know, my kid got killed or anything like that, man, I mean, I'm going to be pretty angry, dude. Um, The difficulty is it it seems like everybody's stuck right next to each other and nobody wants to make an escape for this, uh, you know, the steam to blow off. As, as far as I can tell, there's a good percentage of the Israeli population, and I'm not speaking for everyone because, no, everyone is an individual, but there is a good percentage of the Israeli population that supports genocide, even if even if they disagree with Netanyahu, right? Whether you call it genocide or democide, they are, like, all about getting rid of the Palestinians and getting them out and spreading the state of Israel beyond its current borders into Jordan, into Lebanon, because don't forget, right now settlers are going into the West Bank and they are burning down houses, okay, of people living in the West Bank. Everyone's talking about Gaza, but but settlers are going into the West Bank, burning down houses and more. And well, um, I I would say that the you know that. There, there's sort of a tale of two cities, as it were. In the case of Gaza, this is what happens when you, um, when you know, a group violently revolts, and the West Bank is what happens when a group passively sits by and lets things happen. Um, I don't want to mix the two because, to me, they're entirely different situations. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a Quaker school in Ramallah that I've supported over time because it's, you know attempting to bring peace to an area where there isn't a lot of peace. But, I mean, you know, West Bank and Gaza are different places to me. Well, so so my question about Gaza and Hamas and October 7th is, is it, is it so? Because so many things have been walked back. And then after they've been walked back, they've still been used over and over. In fact, I just, and I hated that I paid $3 for this rag, New York Post, uh, from Friday, January 26th, it says New York University professor skews Israel hate, says Hamas atrocities are not true. Now, if you actually look at what this guy's talking about, and they, they claim him of falsely, acu- uh, falsely denying 
that Hamas had raped Israelis and beheaded babies. Well, guess what? Those things were both walked back by CNN. And then uh, Glenn Beck and Steve Deese and uh, uh, Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, and uh, uh, who's the other guy, uh, Pat Gray and all these people, they still go back to these things that, that have already been walked back and they admitted they were walked back, but they go back to the testimony of one IDF member or, or one settler. So and you're saying that there weren't, uh, these, these people weren't kidnapped, there weren't killings, there weren't, you know, all these things? Yes, there were kidnappings and there were killings. And uh, in fact, um, a good number, personally, I believe that the majority of people that were killed and the number has been reduced from 1,400 to 1,100 because a good number of those 300 were Hamas members, right? Um, and because they couldn't tell the difference because it appears that uh, from the senior uh, command, there were orders. It was basically what's called a, um, it's a operative, a uh, Hannibal, Hannibal Directive. Hannibal Directive is when a, a citizen gets taken hostage, all right, and Israeli citizens were taken hostage. Now, how many of those were IDF members? How many of those were settlers? Now, the children that were taken hostage, that is a war crime. I can't deny that. Uh, but apparently, uh, these accusations of rape basically came from one or two sources that ended up well, not being credible. You're making CNN a justification that. that somebody who is acting like a civilian at a music festival being taken hostage is a, um, you know, well, they're, they're, they're a military member, so it's okay. I mean, no, no, no. It, that I, same... what I'm saying, what I'm saying is under international law, that is recognized as justifiable. That's all I'm saying. Well, then they should just walk through the the Gaza Strip, just shoot everybody. We thought they were enemy combatants. You know, I mean, okay. like but, but I, I would walk, I would walk say, away from that line of thinking. Okay, that's fine. You can walk away from that line of thinking. What I'm trying to say is, uh, the accusations of raped Israelis and beheaded beheaded babies specifically were walked back from uh, by mainstream uh, news organizations, and to this day, there is no uh, forensic evidence, and the accusations only come from, like, a one IDF member who says people, uh, women told him. Yeah, okay, this happens every no time they gear us up for war. They'll talk about, oh, the they were yep. they were taken out of the incubators and left on the ground, right. or right. they were put right. on spikes. Right. Yeah, right. they right. always lie to us about what happens to the babies when they want I'll, us to go to war. I'd be willing to bet that some of those female hostages were raped while they were in there for weeks. Hey, Tim, thank you for the call, man. We appreciate it. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live is on the way. Don't go anywhere. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. 
But what about paying your bills? Spritz.finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol, and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Yes, it is Free Talk Live. We're a live call-in radio program where you could call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. The telephone number here, if you'd like to join, is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160 in the studio. It's me, Captain. And Peakless Mountaineer. And joining us via satellite. Oh, oh. hang on. Hang on. Censorship. Yep. Sorry. Yet again. <laughs> Am sorry. I via satellite? What's um, Jitsi? I presume it's via satellite. <laughs> no. I mean, that's kind of how the yeah. internet works. Well, no, I think it's the internet runs under the water to, to Miami. I, I believe oh, is Mark it? is correct. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I believe it's uh, coming to us live from somehow underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us from atlantis atlantis yes is, is that where uh, a man can be free in, in atlantis the, about the only place the, a man can mythical, be free at this right, point free from the state uh because there's certainly no plot of land on planet earth where a man can be free from the state well it's an advanced civilization and the only possibility for an advanced civilization would have to do away with the state so yeah all right uh so at any rate mark you're with us you can hear us right and all as well all i right. can hear you just right, fine cool. thanks just checking uh so 603-283-6160 we have more to talk about i'd like to talk a little bit more about uh uh this cj hopkins case in germany but if we don't get to it that's fine uh i would like to move on to mark you brought this in uh and peakless and i during the break we're talking about uh texas now uh, there's a lot going on in Texas. There's a lot to unpack. I haven't been specifically paying attention to Texas. I mean, I read the headlines and I listen to the show a bit. So, like, I've got, you know, a good idea of what's going on in Texas. But there's something here that you brought in uh, that I want to get to. But before we do that, I want to get to uh, David Ridley calling. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Some thoughts about the D.C. standoff with Texas. Okay. So I uh, published an article on freekeen.com today uh, and tried to go into some detail on this. Uh, one, one of the things people aren't thinking about, you know, like Milo Vangelis used to say, kind of, he always he had this idea, don't, don't trust headlines, trust history. <clears throat> so people seem to be all excited right now about the fact that a few states or well, a bunch of states are lining up to exercise a little bit of sovereignty and stand up to the feds. Yeah. Uh, you know, while that's good uh you independence drives or autonomy drives 
uh, are also connected with the cause behind it. What, what is it? What was it that triggered them? You know, so that's why the South uh, is so uh, the, the Confederacy is so hated because it, it seceded, which is when, you know they had the right to do that, but they seceded over slavery. Uh, and when the South stood up to the North over civil rights, well, yeah, I mean the the, the Feds were beyond their power. Uh, but because the South was taking a stand over segregation, something so evil, uh, it tainted uh, it tainted their independence or their their sovereignty exercises. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, you know, if we fast forward fifty or a hundred years from now, humans, you know, if, if the trends of the last five hundred years continue, humans will continue becoming more humane. Uh, and the idea that any human is illegal. Or you can't travel, you have to have government permission to travel, that would be considered just as insane as slavery, or, or almost I, as insane. I, I, want right? to, I want to agree with you, except that, like, it's only really very recently that human beings have become illegal, that things like passports, and I'm just talking about recently in human history, not recently as in, like, you know, no. five years ago. Passports have only been around for less than 100 years. This way of enforcing it is new, I'll grant you. Yeah. But no, the idea of people not being allowed into other countries is very, very old indeed. Like, you didn't get to go to England without the King of England's permission. That was kind of how it worked. Yeah, they, before passports, they would often have just sort of letters from nobility or whatever to be able to go to different lo- locations. Um, passports were, in some ways, they're tyrannical i guess they're like uh, marriage certificates you know if uh if some bureaucrat comes along and says to a black man who's married to a white woman you're not married because you can't be well they could shake a marriage certificate at them and say look here's a government that said that i did and a passport sort of says hey i've been authorized by my government to travel through so you know you've got an agreement or whatever the case may be but travel for fun is a relatively new thing, um, you know, probably mid 1800s before it even you know started getting any traction at all. Ridley. Anyhow, it's easy to, when talking about this to sound complicated, right? And and the, the, but the simple the simple story is that the Texas government and the U.S. government are both bad news, and New Hampshire should divorce them both. <laughs> now, there's there's words I can agree with. I, I well, look forward to trading as equals uh, between the nations of New Hampshire and Texas. Ridley, I think that um, New Hampshire doesn't have a hope seceding unless Texas does first. Now, Texas may secede for good reasons or bad reasons as far as a libertarian's concerned, and libertarians do argue about this point uh, surrounding no. uh, <laughs> um, immigration, no doubt. Um, but I like what New Hampshire did recently, which is there's a bill in that would advise the federal government that if they go over $40 trillion in debt, New Hampshire secedes. Yeah. I don't know if I think that that's um, as you know, fleshed out as it needs to be, but nonetheless, it's nice to put them on notice. I think that's a good thing is to let the, you know, to to tell the feds, Hey, this spending that you're doing is unacceptable and there will be consequences. So I, I hate to push back on you on this one, but one of two things is going to happen with, with the future. 
Either we will continue this insane belief that ownership is based on the ability to defend a property, or we will move to the idea that you have to put your work into something in order to own something, and thus cannot own nature and cannot own unaltered land. Now, if the future still believes that ownership is based on your ability to defend it, then this will be seen as a perfectly sane maneuver by that future. Well, um, give me a little more to that. I, I get where you're coming from. I just need a little more as to know what specifically you're trying to say. Okay, so um, Ridley is concerned with, oh, well, you made these humans illegal. And it's like, well, if the future is full of people that still believe that property is based on your ability to do violence to defend it, then it will still be a situation where we have nation states of one variety or of another, where all of our interactions are predicated fundamentally on the capacity to do violence. If, on the other hand, we become free individuals based on our work and free trade, then we won't be using nation states as we know, as we know them today. And then this will be seen as primitive, but so will everything else. So, Peakless, what if I want to buy up a million acres of land in the United States or Manzanas or hectares or whatever, you know, you, you put your uh, measurement of land in there, um, and I want it to be completely left fallow. You know, I don't want to do anything with it. The purpose of which being to, you know, let the animals run free, produce, um, you know, oxygen or whatever it is that I have to do that's sort of nature-y, um, just left as a nature preserve. What if I want to do that? Okay. Well, what is actually happening is that you are paying off a violent group of thugs to leave you alone while you use this thing that they have no right to, but have in fact claimed that they will do violence to anyone who uses it without their permission. Now, that doesn't in itself give you any right to it, but it does ensure that no one will mess with you. <laughs> um, what if somebody comes like in this Georgian world that you're sort of referring to here, where people will have to that, mix, but okay, <laughs> have to mix their labor with uh, land in order to, uh, you know, be able to use it and make it theirs? Could not just someone come along to my, you know, land that I've left as a nature preserve uh, and turn it into? some kind of, I don't know, a factory belching out smoke, which would be completely antithetical to me and what I paid for it, because somebody's going to pay for the a piece of land the last time before this uh, Georgian paradise uh, idea comes into to play, right? Okay. So first off, I'd like to deal with the belching black smoke bit, because that's kind of important. Uh, the reason that our environmental protections are non-existent is because of the monopoly of the court system, and that goes all the way back to when the English courts decided that the Industrial Revolution was too valuable to protect your right to breathe. So they said any amount of pollution that is being put out will be protected by their system, so people stopped suing and that you didn't get rights against people harming you through pollution. So that's why we currently have a system where there are no effective rights of protecting yourself against the people who are harming you uh, in a diffuse manner. So in a system where this becomes the normal thing, where you have to act, actually put your work into something in order to own it and can't just claim a piece of nature, then 
presumably you would also have a, a free market in uh, in court systems and the the insane ones would be weeded out by the market. So in that system, you would be able to sue them for the black smoke. But it, it, to get to uh, what I think your real question here is of, well, what about this money that I gave a bunch of violent criminals? Well, you wasted your money by giving it to a bunch of violent criminals and you have no right. And they had no right to sell that to you. Just like if someone steals something and then sells it to you, you don't have a right to that either. So I've got a kind of a situation like that here. The resort where I'm at um, has some people who want to launch a jet ski and have um, on top of a soft coral bed. And soft coral, if you don't know this, uh, you step on soft coral, it kills it. It's not like, you know, hard coral or, you know, it's, it's safe and everything like that. But, you know, they got to get their jet ski in the water. And so they've gone across private property and they've gone on to public property, you know, across the private property, get to the public property to uh, step on a protected beach. And I would like very much to protect that beach. But these people would like very much to launch their jet ski. Whose now, responsibility is it to protect this protected beach? Government? Well, <laughs> government's not going to do a very good job. I mean, they already and aren't if they're able to launch their jet ski. They'll probably be here, though, to arrest me if I shoot them. Okay. So, you know, that's the really the problem with government in this circumstance is, is that it is a poor uh, judge of the scenario. Two years later, it's going to give you a ruling after all the uh, soft coral is dead. You know? So what and I would say is going to change hands. Put up isn't gonna bring back the- so put up. So like put your labor into the surrounding area and then you will own that stuff. And then if they use your fence, they use your asphalt then you can shoot them. Now, as far as rights go, now, as far as is the government going to acknowledge that? Well, governments are insane criminals. Of course not. Yeah, they're not going to acknowledge it. Yeah, but, no, uh, they will absolutely stop you from, from defending your property. That's what they do. Go ahead, Mark. They actually moved the fence. They, uh, you know, pulled a piece of it out and launched their jet ski because they have a right to uh, launch the jet ski was their, you know, assertion. But there you go. Let's, and this uh, is what happens when we don't have uh, clarity on what gives you a right to a thing. Let's let's go Indeed. back to Mr. Ridley. Your thoughts? Well, back to the original subject. You know, we we've had we had a, an independence movement in New Hampshire in the 19th century, and the fact that that existed has been useful to us for you know 150, 200 years as we've struggled to you know to, to exercise our sovereignty. And so it's really, this is a reminder of how useful this, this Jason Gerhardt's bill in New Hampshire has been and will be in, in maybe for hundreds of years, uh, just in, the, in, in making the case that the independence doesn't have to be uh, about some crappy issue like immigration. Independence can be about a good issue uh, like uh, the debt. Yeah, so I, I don't think this compares to uh, the, the Jim Crow laws or to slavery, though. I think that uh, since people really do believe in this idea of owning territory, then, I mean, if you don't ha- if you don't actually control that territory, in what sense do you have a nation? Well, I mean, you have a nation in the same sense that Belgium has a nation, right? They have I mean, restaurants that, that are 
you know, on both sides of the of the Belgian Dutch border, and no one cares where the border is, and that and no one cares where the border is between, uh, you know, Vermont and New Hampshire to any large extent. That that's 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 how you can have a a border without having border fascism. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mr. Ridley, if folks want to find out more about you or the work that you do, where can they go? RidleyReport.com. <laughs> Thank you so much for the call and for your efforts. We look forward to talking to you again in the future. That's uh, Mr. Ridley, everybody. Um, moving right along, let's go to... This is Skeeter calling from California. Skeeter, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, you shouldn't uh, really concentrate on Rich's definition of property as, uh, you know, something you can defend. While it's on the right track, it's ultimately evolutionary profitability that determines what rightful property is. Not any homesteading principle, which is the same principle that was born out of democracy and is foolish and is not a market or capitalistic uh, function. Because libertarians have strayed away from real economics. They've strayed away from science and real market principles and the force of the invisible hand, which is actually evolution. And that's why I say both advocates for uh, constitutional republic and libertarianism, they don't understand the market, which is another term for evolutionary capitalism. Libertarians aren't fully prepared for the, what the pure market really is. And it isn't, no, non-aggression hippie utopia of Ankrapistan. But your boy does. I understand, for instance, to diminish and destroy externalities, which is the true problem of what causes immorality and what causes people to act immorally, which perverts behavior. The market will absolutely erode all privacy. And that's what is the true underlying cause of externalities. So when you say the market, you are including the behavior of murdering people who don't do what you tell them to. That is market behavior to you. If it brings about a better good. Yeah, so this is why we have words is so that we can communicate ideas. And when you use a word to mean something that is not what anyone thinks that word means, it stops being something that you can use to communicate to people. No, hey, uh, thanks for the call, Skeeter. 603-283-6160. Let's move on to this unscreened caller. What's your name? You're live on Free Talk Live. Hello? Hello. Yes, you're live on the air. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. What's your name? Uh, I'm Michael. That's hey. me. Hey, Michael. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I don't know. Me and my friend were just sitting here. We were listening to your podcast. We thought you had a lot of good stuff to say. We wanted to join in. All right. Well, do you have something specific you wanted to talk about, something we've talked about tonight? Uh, me and my friend were actually talking about the uh, the Texas, where Texas is trying to divide themselves into their own uh, country. Yep. Yeah, I yeah. really hope that they can vote on secession this time. Yeah, I, I, I thought about this a lot over the last, uh, I mean, since I've been on this show, so five years now. Um, the United States of America is uniquely positioned to survive something like uh, what happened to the Soviet Union when they finally broke up, right? The United States is already uh, perforated, if you will, into a bunch of different states, which are, in theory, already supposed to be their own countries. And the only reason the federal government exists 
is so that all these states can cooperate for a few things, specifically administrative things, right? Uh, you know, secretarial work. That's why it's called an administration when, you know, a president is elected and that kind of a thing. So uh, it is my firm belief that the outcome of all of this turmoil, all of this political turmoil, is the eventual breakup of the United States of America in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Do you feel like the president's handling it well, or do you think Trump would handle it better? I think both of them handled it poorly, and the next one will also handle it poorly, because these people are not leaders. They are tyrants. They are psychopaths. What they want is more for them, more control over you, and less for you. They don't want things. They don't want you to be free. They don't want you to make your own decisions for you. They don't want you to be the captain of yourself. They want. They also don't want to see a solution to the immigration problem. Right. The Republicans didn't want to see abortion outlawed because then the dog catches the car. And what's he do with the car? You know, it's the same situation. And it's the same situation with immigration. The Republicans are going to show their hands that they don't want immigration. All they are is like, no, whatever the Democrats want, we want something else. And they don't have a stance. Yeah, and to, to answer the question of would Trump have handled this better, this would not have happened if Trump was president. What do you think? This right. is largely a political maneuver. So look at who signed this uh, new document to to say, yes, they are totally justified. It's 100% on party lines. All of the people who are willing to, uh, I guess, send the National Guard of their state down to defend against the army if it comes to that – they are 100% the Republican governors. This is all Pepsi versus Coke. So this absolutely would not be happening if Trump was president because it wouldn't have been politically viable to put the president in that situation for the Republicans. Mm. Mike? Now, do you think after the four years that uh, Biden has had, he's really shown his cards, and do you think he's going to win the next election, or do you think people have opened their eyes up more and they're going to... uh, have a smarter standpoint and maybe vote for Trump or if it changed the perspective more to see if they have changed their mind at all. That's well, a- I don't know that the smartest thing that one can do is vote for Trump. I can understand why one would choose to do it. Um, you know, I'm no fan of Joe Biden by any stretch of the imagination and nor am I so such a Pollyanna that I believe that uh, the libertarian candidate, whoever it might be, is suddenly going to get into office, nor if they did, would they behave themselves. But I'm kind of of the opinion that these people are liars and thieves, all of them. And if you put any hope in them, you're just the fool who believes in liars and thieves, you know. If you want to vote on in you know the second Tuesday or the first Tuesday in November, by all means, go ahead and vote. I don't think it's that a violent act against your um, your neighbor. I don't think that it's a uh, some kind of assent to being governed or anything like that. But at the same time, I don't think it's. I think it's a non-action. Yeah, I think it speaks poorly. Of the roughly 300 million people in the United States, uh, that geographic area, to know that it's going to come down to uh, the orange man or the senile man, both of them elderly. 
Like, what does that say about all of the human beings, individuals residing inside of the territory known as the United States of America? It speaks very poorly. It it says that we can't stop crooked old perverts part two, no matter how much we don't want it. Right? Like, you know, if you go out and talk to the person in the street and you ask him, would you rather have Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or somebody else? You're going to get somebody else the majority of the time, and it's going to be a landslide for Mm -hmm. somebody else. But it, by the looks of it, if I'm um, looking at the polls, that's not going to be the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with uh, with that completely. And yeah, the worst thing you can possibly do is expect that some savior is going to come along and fix this problem for you. You have to stop waiting for that and go build something better instead. Michael, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 603-283-6160 is the phone number if you would like to join us on air here tonight. It's Free Talk Live. Hour number three is coming up. Free Talk Live. Six zero three. Two eight three six one six zero again six zero three two eight three six one six zero phones are open uh, we do have a caller on hold we'll get to them momentarily it is free talk live if you're not familiar with us please visit freetalklive.com where you can find out all about us in the studio tonight it's myself the captain Beagless Mountaineer and joining us remotely. Mark Edge. All right. Uh, Mark Edge, uh, one of the two co-founders, the one who is not currently being held hostage by statists. The unincarcerated (laughs) co-founder of Free Talk Live. Right, yes. Free Talk Live, the number one most rated talk show on the radio. We are very, very highly rated. (laughs) Very highly rated, indeed. (laughs) Uh, Before we go on, I want to say thank you, to somebody calling themselves Milk Dud. Milk Dud is a silver level amplifier here on Free Talk Live. What does it mean to be an amplifier? Well, we have the AMPS program over at amps.freetalklive.com. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. Uh, Milk Dud gives us uh, five bucks a month because he believes in the message of the show, the message of liberty, peace and prosperity that we bring to the airwaves. He enjoys the hosts, the co-hosts, the callers, and he thinks that it's a good idea to help spread that message. What does this money go for? Well, mostly it goes to getting us onto more radio stations. We're currently on somewhere around 200. We could be on 250, 300, 350 stations. Not out of the question. It's all up to you. And as Mark Edge is infamous for saying, it may be the best use of your Liberty Dollar. So please visit Amps. Freetalklive.com. Thank you again, Milk Dud. We appreciate you. All right. Uh, Mark, I want to get to this bit that you brought in because we're talking about Texas already. Uh, but before we do, uh, let's go to Dana in Michigan. Dana, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Um, Mark, it is so, I know you were on a couple of weeks ago without the photo. Um, 
because I'm watching online, I'm streaming. But um, are you going to be doing this regular on Saturdays? Joining uh, that's the show? Up to, that's up to Captain. He has been gracious enough to invite me several times over the next uh, couple of months. And, um, you know, he's Captain. Captain is the program director for Saturday and Sunday nights. So uh, I don't want to put any pressure on him, but it, it is delightful to do it. And, and we love having okay. him here. So, yeah, oh, putting pressure oh, on the captain to do so is up to you, Dana. <laughs> oh, I just, I'm so happy he's back. And no disrespect to um, um, Peakless or to the captain, but I thought this had something to do with, um, I don't know what I was looking for. I don't even know that it had to do with Free Talk Live. But somehow I found some thread saying, um, people were saying, um, oh, they missed the old days when, you know, Mark and Ian were on. And sure. I know it's not possible for Ian. And, and again, no disrespect to Captain and Peakless. How I miss you know, the days when Mark and Ian were on. <laughs> right. I, I think we all terribly do. insulted, but yeah, I completely Yeah, agree. I'm not insulted at oh, all, Dana. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would at least if you are. How dare you? Captain. The unmitigated <laughs> call. <laughs> so anyway, um, I just was wondering, I, I can't catch the show every single day because I have to live a life. But that being said, um, did you guys catch the speech at World Economic Forum from um, your guy, um, Javier Malay? I did. I, I yeah. only saw oh, a couple gosh. of clips of it. But what did you think, Dana? Oh, it was fantastic. In fact, I thought, my goodness, is that a conservative? He was fantastic. Yeah, I liked him a lot. I told you guys before, I've, I've never been shy about this, that I am a conservative Christian, but um, and, and from a pragmatic standpoint, um, because it actually works. And um, even the Christian part, I mean, I just, otherwise, what's the point of being here? So both of them, I can make arguments for both the conservative and the Christian, but I have a very libertarian bent. I told you guys before, and I told me in this, I want the government the hell out of my business, especially Amen. when you follow Davos or what's going, you know, the um, uh, what they say at the World Economic Forum. You know what? People are afraid of using this word evil, this four-letter word. It gives them the heebie-jeebies because then it invokes God and Satan and all this. They rather just think people are mean or controlling. These people are sick. They're really sick. They're evil. And so when I watched parts of it online, I got to go back and see the whole thing, the whole speech. I I caught two twice I went in, but then I got interrupted. So I got to go back. I want to see the whole thing. Only approximately out of that whole audience, Six people were clapping. Well, this guy is never going to make it in Davos because I'm going to tell you, he's got practical, real-world solutions to things. You think that Obama, who is our current president, by the way, um, you think that they don't know this? These are not dumb people. These are evil people. This is about controlling not just the United States. This is the world. And I'm not being, you know, um, Alex Jones here. Um, maybe some of this stuff was way off the plantation, but um, a lot of this stuff has already come true that people have. Well, Captain, you just did that article when Mark was on a couple of weeks ago or whenever it was um, about 15 myths 
or conspiracy theories about the COVID yeah. that have all come true. Yeah. And so what does that tell you? People were um, laughed at. They were threatened, all kinds of stuff taken offline. I mean, be platformed when that was their only source of income because they didn't agree with the status quo. And so this Javier guy is coming up. And he's going to make all these practical, he's, you know, suggesting all these practical things, not just for his country, but for the world. These people know that this, this guy is going to either die of a heart attack and high blood pressure or just live with eternal frustration. I think he's great. All of this stuff that you guys have talked about over the years and how I believe, whether you're conservative um, and Christian or not Christian, but Um, which most conservatives are Christian, but conservative Christian, libertarian, whatever, even the old blue dog Democrats, if they even exist, the old John F. Kennedy liberals. This is just crazy. They're deliberately destroying their own countries, and the people here are destroying ours. I'm curious, Dana. I I wish... I wish him all the luck, but I I feel bad for that man. He's going to just be so frustrated as the very few decent politicians that we've had or have right now. And I'm not a a fan of politicians, but but the decent ones, um, they're just, it's, I don't know what it's going to take you guys. I just don't know. I'm curious if when you were watching Javier's speech, if, uh, you know, you heard things, that you've heard previously here on Free Talk Live. Oh, absolutely! I'm very, I'm familiar. Although I don't, I, I don't agree with the extremes. Yeah. But the libertarian bent. Um, that's why I say I'm libertarian. I really believe in um, uh, laissez-faire. You know, I just, I, I just don't get. It. And I really believe in states' rights. Um, I'm so sick. The constant, the founders said they never, ever wanted a powerful central government, that it was very, very dangerous. And then they went and put one in place. (laughs) Pardon me? And then they went and put one in place. So, like, they never fully, like, they never went through the necessary steps to dissolve the Articles of Confederation. They just put this one in, in its place, which was bound to become this monstrosity. But I I I do agree with you that, yeah, that was the original setup, was that these were a bunch of independent nations, because nation and state kind of meant the same thing at the time. And the idea was that we would have different nations that had peace with each other and had trade with each other and had certain things in common, like not murdering anybody. And that's what the central thing was supposed to do. Absolutely. And then not murdering anybody. And um, most of our laws, even the ancient ones, you know, they come back, uh, or I shouldn't say ancient, but they were based on biblical stuff. So that's how I see the, from a pragmatic standpoint, not a spiritual or religious standpoint, the Christianity Christianity thing um, weaves in. And also, um, regarding your comment about the nation states, Nicholas, they actually called them that during um, Greece's time, you know, um, uh, historically, the mm-hmm. um, BC stuff. Well, I- I, I really wanted to to nail down on the like you had talked about uh people are afraid of calling evil evil 
and they they are willing to call it oh it's mean and it's controlling and just two quick points on that one I think that people avoid using that word. I mean, part of it's, yeah, the whole like getting wrapped up in religion thing. But part of it is really just when people talk about very, very, very serious things that demand action, whether they like it or not, regardless of uh, of how they feel about religion, they will use religious words to describe things. They will talk about their soul when they're talking about very serious, important things. And no one wants to deal with the fact that we actually have to do something about this. Mm. And number two, controlling, uh, we don't like to look at that fact, but that is evil. Like, you have this magnificent, amazing thing where human beings make choices. And that is the most extraordinary thing in the entire universe. And then you have someone coming along and destroying that and just crushing the beauty of individual choices. So, Absolutely. yeah, controlling is evil. And I'd, I'd also talk about Ron Paul in this circumstance. When I saw Javier Millet um, speak, it reminded me of 2008 when Ron Paul came to the Liberty Forum in New Hampshire. And he gave a hour and a half speech where the poor man barely got, uh, you know, he'd barely get out five words. And then the crowd would erupt in applause for, you know, 45 seconds. And he'd get out like seven words and then, you know, the more applause. And it just kept going and going like that. And that's how I felt personally was the same way I felt in that room when I was hearing Nile give the uh, speech at Davos. But Ron Paul was asked one time by uh, one of the, you know, it was, it was a libertarian interviewer. Um, it might have been Nick from Reason. Uh, are these people, referring to the people in Washington, D.C., the other representatives, are they evil or fools? And he answered, yes. <laughs> I agree with so, that. I think so. There you go. And, I, and I'm going to tell you who one of them is, and this is going to shock Peakless and, um, and, and Captain. I think I, I, no man is perfect. And when I say man, I don't care if women have a problem with that. I say man as in humankind, sure. like we used to back mm-hmm. in the day. So this is men and women. But I, uh, nobody is perfect. But I will say one thing. And hear me out, and this brings back to what Mark said um, uh, before the break, um, before you took my call, about Trump versus Biden, That, or maybe it was just after the break, that if you asked a third choice, people would overwhelmingly, yes, that's what they're saying. But here's the thing, guys. So um, that's uh, one thing I didn't like about Trump is he was – from all, I listen to a lot of talk talk during the day while I'm working and because I'm able to do that. And it isn't the talk host. It's the guests they bring on, people who know people personally and give us inside baseball. From all accounts, I've heard incredible things about Trump, that he's funny He's um, he's sincere and he will bend over backwards for anybody. And he loves this country. I keep hearing those things. 
And because of that nature, he was too forgiving and he should have prosecuted Hillary and he should have went after, um, uh, clean that government out. I think he thought if I just do a good job, then, you know, everything will be okay. He had no idea. He was so naive. And that's one of my biggest criticisms about him. He was so damn naive. I think that's absurd. No, no, I'm sorry. I can't let that go. The The man is not naive. He is many things. And one of those things is very capable. He is an extremely capable man. He is savvy. The man is savvy. He knows what a swamp that is. He knows exactly what he was going into. No, he, he no. these people are and projecting. I, I think... It's called projection, where you take good things that you want him to be and you see them with, where they are not present. I know what projection is. I understand psychology. That being said, I think he underestimated you can have a very rich man or woman, very successful person, very intellectual person, and they can be naive about certain components, not not in his case. The man bought politicians. That's what he did. He talked openly about how he used to only interact with politics by buying politicians. There was one area where I I would say that Trump was naive. Sorry, let me me jump in here. Hang hang on, Dana. Um, Hold on. Okay. So um, one thing that that Trump did that was sounds naive to me, I'm going to classify it as naive, is, is that when Obama got in, he jumped straight in and he filled every slot from the top down to the bottom, thousands of positions um, he filled with his people. Trump filled the major slots, and as you know, his his own cabinet just kept on cycling through and that sort of thing. And he never took the time. He was either lazy or naive, and I don't know And which. I go with lazy. Um, it was he, a he lot easier. Been. Well, and not even just... Not even just lazy. He put in the same cabinet as all of the Republicans before him because he didn't want to make enemies. I agree. That's what I'm, maybe that's what I'm saying. He knew maybe, what he was doing and what he was doing was maybe, betrayal. Maybe that was that. Because I got to tell you guys, I was flipping the hell out when <laughs> right? he put John Bolton in. Oh that my God, right? Dirty. That is the biggest damn. Not only Thank you for keeping it FCC friendly. I know it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he is so evil and so, mm-hmm. he's just so, oh, he's so manipulative. So that's where I came up with the word naive. I said he had to believe that if he did a good job and he kept his nose to the grindstone and really turned things around because he did a lot of good stuff for the country. All you got to do is look at the stats. That being said, that's where I came up with the word naive. He needed to go after certain people and get them out of there, and he didn't do it. But you know what? Screw me once, shame on you. Screw me twice, shame on me. I don't. Think well, I don't think he'll do it again. again. <laughs> I, I think that. Really well, no, him? that's no, that's a really good question. Is do you think that he's going to put the same kind of nonsense in his cabinet if he gets elected again? Well, he's not stupid. Yeah. Hey, Dana, thank you so much for the call. We appreciate you. Uh, 603-283-6160 if you would like to join us. You know, it's an interesting question. I've been all over the numbers on this election because something about it bothers me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm, I might be one of these uh, theorists that believes the Democrats are going to do something in August. Um, they're well positioned in so much as the Republicans have their convention in July. So the Democrats in August, when they have their convention, will know who the Republican nominee is. And that nominee will be on rails. I suspect that nominee is going to be Trump. Everything suggests it's going to be Trump. But you know, I don't know. I, I won't. I can't say Trump didn't win handily enough in New Hampshire for me to go ahead and make a prediction yet, because I think he has to win by large margins in order to show the GOP. Hey, you know, it's worth taking a chance on a guy who's got, you know, 90 indictments or whatever the situation is. I suspect um, that if Trump does get reelected, that it'll be more of the same. Yeah. Same thing with I, Biden. And this is why well, but, well, my why I, I call out the people. Right. The voters. Right. I'm calling out voters specifically. Do not let this happen again. The last thing you need is more of the same. Find some renegade uh, Javier Malay type. Find somebody that bucks the system. Choose them. Write somebody else in. I don't care. But, oh, my God, you are going to uh, just the repercussions of electing either one of these two bastards is going to be deadly. So what were you saying, though, about uh, uh, you might be one of those people who think something's going to happen in August? Right. I think I, I mean, I think it's possible, certainly, that uh, Democrats surround bro, Joe Biden, excuse me, Joe Biden and say, hey, bud, you know, you had a good run and we really appreciate appreciate what you've done for America. But we don't think you're in the right shape for this. And it, this can either go well or it can go poorly. And, you know, Joe's going to have to go out on stage and say, you know, thank you, America. Thank you for everything. I, it's with a heavy heart that I have to spend more time with my family. You know, Hunter needs me right now or whatever the situation is. And Joe has to has to step down. And then somebody comes in. I don't know whether that somebody is, uh, you know, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, or whether it is Michelle Obama has been, you know, much mentioned. I, I, I don't know who it is, but I think that that would be the only trick that would cause Trump to lose because this election looks like it's a foregone conclusion right now. Yeah. Yeah, the best. Yeah, it looks like it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be a repeat of last time with a different outcome. But right. remember how kind how crafty the people we're dealing with are and oh, yes. how deeply deeply underhanded they are. So I, I, I don't fully trust that either for. of them is going to make it to this election. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the trick. I'm trying to, in my right. own, my mind is just digging around, trying to find what that weird thing is in there. Because they're, because I just can't let go that something is weird about this election. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'll grant that I have biases, and maybe Dana's right, and he was just naive, and he really does represent an absolute existential threat to the. Uh, the absolute evil that runs the world and especially our country. And if that is the case, he will not be allowed to make it to that election. Right. If he makes I, it to I, that I election, of, then you. we're going to see more of the that, same. I think Trump is annoying to the powers that be not dangerous. Right. And right. that's uh, that, that, that would probably be the most that we could, uh, you know, manage to get through. I'm not, a Trump supporter, um, you know, and I'm curious about what's going on. In fact, I have a, a little uh, blurb here about uh, potentially 
Trump taking RFK Jr. as his running mate. And I think, well, that's that, that might be the little thing that my, my brain can't wrap itself around. But if I were Trump, I would not give the Democrats a VP that they would prefer over me. Good I would give them a VP that they, they hated over me because then they're less likely to do something terrible to me. 603-283-6160. The final half hour of tonight's episode of Free Talk Live is coming up. Don't go anywhere. p.m. until 10 p.m. and on Sundays as well. Uh, We also do a live show on Wednesday and Thursday if you miss the weekend shows. And we do the live call-in thing, the telephone number 603-283-6160 if you'd like to join us. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. And Peakless Mountaineer. And joining us from under the water. (laughs) Mark Edge. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent snorkeling uh, outfit you have there. Hey, the by su- the way, here in Honduras, I've got to say that the the snorkeling is excellent on the Bay Islands. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I, I, from the looks of it, I thought maybe you were in a submarine or something. I was going to ask if it was yellow. <laughs> the house I'm in is yellow. Oh, very well. All right. So calling us from a yellow submarine, it's Mark Edge. <laughs> Before we go on. Uh, I have to tell you, I don't have to tell you, I want to tell you, and I'm going to tell you. Free Talk Live is brought to you by ForkFest, happening June 13th through the 16th at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Really are beautiful, too. I mean, the scenery out there, man, the sunset. Oh, man, it's just beautiful. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. ForkFest is decentralized, so there's no ticket cost. And no one is in charge. For more information and to connect with other attendees, you can visit the unofficial website, forkfest.party. That's forkfest.party. Come hang out. I'll be there. A bunch of other people will be there. Will you be there? You can oh, be there? I'll be there. All right. We'll, we'll be there. I don't know if Mark will or not. We'll, we'll figure that out later. But I've got tickets. All right. Very well. Well, you don't need tickets to ForkFest. No, that's right. I've got tickets to ForkFest. Okay. I've got tickets to ForkFest. I made them myself. You can do that with ForkFest. That's right. No one will stop you. (laughs) All right. Uh, Mark, you brought in this bit uh, because we were talking about Texas already. You brought in this thing from RGA.org. Do you want to get into it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was interested in this article. I think that something interesting is afoot. Um, it was, this is news from RGA.org, Republican governors band together to issue a joint statement supporting Texas's constitutional right to self-defense. So there's something brewing and it's not honey. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can say is, is that, uh, since this was written, uh, this says 25 Republican governors released the following joint statement in support of the Texas governor, Greg Abbott. Um, now it's 26 because Sununu, John, is it John Sununu? Chris Sununu, excuse me. Chris Sununu in, 
in uh, New Hampshire signed it. Oh, I thought he was one of the 25. I thought it was everyone except uh, Vermont. All of the Republican governors, that is. Mm. Yeah, I uh, can uh, check down here at the bottom, and it he is, yes, listed. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is 25, not 26 then. Also, none of these states are border states, uh, southern border states. So there's f- four southern border states. Um, Texas doesn't count because, of course, Abbott supports himself. Um, so you're left with New Mexico, which has always gone blue, uh, California, which has always gone blue, and um, Arizona, which is currently blue. Okay. So anyway, the uh, the statement uh, says that uh, President Biden and his administration have left Americans in our country completely vulnerable to an unprecedented illegal immigration pouring across the southern border. Instead of upholding the rule of law and securing the border, the Biden administration has attacked and sued Texas for stepping up to protect American citizens from historic levels of illegal immigrants. Deadly drugs like fentanyl and terrorists entering country. It kind of rambles on here, you know. Be scared, America. But I, I guess the thing, the most important thing to me here is, is something is afoot in America, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know the 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 uh, Texas National Guard laid down razor wire trying to prevent, uh, you know, to secure their borders of their state, which my reading of the Constitution says is texas's job let me defend that real quick because it's kind of a bold statement yeah um you would think that the constitution of the united states would empower the united states federal government to handle immigration and it does um, handle naturalization that's specifically mentioned in the constitution another thing that's specifically mentioned is that Nothing that is mentioned in the con- that is not mentioned in the Constitution should be considered a power of the federal government. That it the the powers of the federal government need to be explicitly mentioned. Otherwise, the unmentioned stuff goes to the states and to the people. Right. Uh, according to the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, which the Constitution wouldn't have been ratified without, because the people wanted that. Is what I was taught in civics class. So, so I'd, I'd like to offer the. Uh, argument that I'm sure that they would make on that one, which is that uh, as the Supreme Court, which we've decided is the ones who get to decide whether a thing is constitutional or not, decided long ago, uh, everything counts as commerce. And since having immigrants or not is a thing that alters the commerce between the states, it is therefore governed by the federal government. Or the supremacy clause, or the uh, general welfare clause, you can pretty much get everything, shoehorn everything into the purview of government uh, without that. And um, I, it is unsurprising to me that the federal Supreme Court this has decided that the federal government is the supreme law of the land. It, it actually says something like that in the Constitution. It's the supreme law of the land, of the things that are mentioned. And I think that it's interesting and, and very important that the federal constitution specifically says anything not mentioned here is not a power of the federal government. And that the founders, the people who wrote this document, certainly wouldn't have imagined everything that has come along here. And those should be powers of states. And, uh, you know, that's all I can do is say that I disagree with the Supreme Court. And, you know, if if y'all want a country that's run by those kooks, you can have it. But, 
you know, seems like a misreading to me, seems like a self-serving misreading of the Constitution to me. So anyway, um, mm-hmm. 25 Republican governors are supporting Greg Abbott. Now you have 26 states that are in some state of rebellion against the government. And I don't know what that means. Do you think this is a, you know, I don't know, like a a harbinger of things to come? Do you think that, uh, you know, what, what are you speculating? Because I, I, I feel like, I feel like you feel like this is, like this is some, you know, uh, early notification, if you will, that something, you know, this is going to lead to something else. But like, I, I don't know what it is. Do you have any guesses? I don't know what it is either. Um, I mean, you know, none of us are deaf for the last how many years have uh, people been talking about the next American civil war that's going to uh, happen again. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can tell you that it is a bad idea, right? Like the idea that people that imagine that uh, federal troops are going to, uh, you know, hop into F-16s and then just begin targeting uh, state militias, um, state, uh, you know, national guards. Oh, those people are crazy. That is not going to happen. Um, I like, I just, I, I don't know. I, I can't say what's going to happen. And I, you know, I certainly as a Quaker do not want to see a whole bunch of violence, but right. so, so you've, uh, you read this letter that they put out, right? Yep. So um, I, I very, very recently learned about this whole thing. So uh, the way it was presented to me was that the uh, National Guard of Texas uh, was willing to fight the army and that the National Guards of like half the country were also willing to come down and support them was the implication on this thing. Now, is that uh, does that suit your reading there? Um, No. Uh, So far, Oklahoma has sent troops to aid the Texas National Guard in their uh, what they consider to be their duty to secure the border. And now that could be interpreted as, uh, you know, facing federal troops. But nobody's raised weapons in violence against each other. Um, And I would caution any interpretation that sounds like that. Could it go that way? It could, but I just don't see these National Guard guys going after U.S. military guys. Yeah. So all I see is Biden looking impotent up there in Washington, D.C., going, make them stop, make them stop. Yeah. And I don't know what he's trying to achieve. I mean, like, if he would have just let it go, it would have been better for everything. But now, you know, I, I think it's a, a bad campaign move. Personally. Well, I can, but, I, I can argue for what he's probably trying to well not him so much as the people that tell him what to say uh what they're probably attempting to achieve is what they've said uh whether or not this is actually going to work this way but they have said that what they're aiming at is a general demographic shift uh so that voters will vote democrat forever uh that by bringing in the uh, uniparty yeah by by bringing in uh uh by bringing in immigrants, uh, they believe that they and their children will vote Democratic and that they will uh, be the power in America and displace the Republicans. OK, so uh, a couple of things. One, I think that in order for states to begin seceding from the union, that it is going to require uh, some members of the military, whether it's the National Guard or perhaps even uh, police uh, 
stepping up and saying, I would be willing to do so, right? That is to fight for their states or stand up against uh, the federal government. I'm not saying that it's going to come to, you know, violence. I'm saying that it's going to take some form of these people who are in these positions saying, I've had enough and, you know, I'm willing to die for this, uh, is, is, that's just my opinion. Uh, the other thing is, what the heck changed? Like, I'm 51 years old. The borders have never been in force. Not really. Right. Sort of. Like, if you're trying to drive across to Mexico or, you know, into Canada, there's always been some sort of, you know, border, we'll call it border control there, right? They might have beefed it up over the years what with the 9-11 and the TSA and the Unpatriotic Act and all that kind of crap. But, like, the borders have been open. Like, wide the frick open. Like, since, and they still are, even with whatever Texas is doing with some razor wire near the border or whatever, right? The borders, like, if if you, if I wanted to get across, uh, oh, look, some razor wire, I guess I'll not cross here, and I'll go over here instead. There's plenty of border uh, that is still wide the F open. So, what changed specifically to make this such a hot topic? Well, I think that uh, the the populist movement, uh, especially on the right, came to power. So instead of it being a, a matter of people believing already that there is no uniparty, I mean, people found out there's a uniparty, mm-hmm. that these people do the exact same thing, whether you vote Pepsi or Coke. Right. And mm-hmm. a lot of them got so upset about that that they reached for the biggest middle finger in the room, which was Trump. And there was a populist movement on the left, but it pretty much got crushed, and Bernie wasn't that big of a threat anyway uh, to the Uniparty. But okay, so they, they they reached for Trump, and they got Trump, and then nothing happened. So the Republicans are basically trying to stay relevant at this point. Like, people are on to the fact that there's a Uniparty, and that they do the same thing. Okay, but how did, specifically, border control become well, such a, a thing Go ahead, so um the suggestion is and, and i don't know i'm not proposing that this is true but um i can tell you this much is true if somebody is declared a uh, refugee mm-hmm. they are they have a right um, i'm using the air quotes to describe that a legal um, right to so legal right to some money from the united states federal government and if they're, you know, seeking refuge, they're seeking asylum, they're an asylum seeker, there's several different categories. Um, some of them, you know, get a check and a place to live and a variety of those things. Now, according to people who are big Trump supporters, Joe Biden's been handing out these refugee things all over the place and um, that uh, immigration has spiked. And everything I've seen is, is that immigration has spiked. And why is it spiked? I don't know. Maybe the economies down here in Central America have been torpedoed. Um, maybe, you know, certainly there's some communists that have been elected. That isn't good for your economy. Right. Um, and maybe it's, uh, you know, the Biden administration handing out uh, incentives to come across the border because the Democrats want to create their, you know, two generations of un challenge democratic rule i don't know i'm not going to say any of this stuff is true i'm just saying that that is the claim i mean it feels to me like hegelian dialectic problem reaction solution yeah right it feels to me like like the the problem is being manufactured 
by the system. Uh, and then, of course, here comes the system. Oh, we can fix that. Right. The reaction. Oh, no, this is horrible. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, we can fix that. And then there's the solution that they're going to propose. And right now, Texas is proposing the solution and implementing it with its razor wire and, and troops. Um, like, I, we've talked about this before. And like, to me, it comes down to end welfare. Just end it. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the really bad thing is when you have uh, this sort of woke mentality that all cultures are the same when you have uh, this handout for immigrants and then you have this incentive to this, this immigration incentive. So what they're doing in Europe is bad news. If you can come from some culture where women are treated poorly, kept in the house and you know, turned into baby factories, you can brew, you can, Abdul can bring Abdullah into Paris and just keep her indoors because she doesn't need to work. Well, because he gets a check from the French government, then that's going to go really poorly. Abdul's going to spend his time being like, the French government's oppressing me because of my religion or whatever it is right, that he's right. doing. Whereas if Abdullah has to go to work because, um, you know, the whole family has to make it and there's no free lunch. Well, then Abdullah is going to start chatting with Dorothy and Stephanie um, at, in the lunchroom. And she's going to be like, I want to wear jeans. I'm sick of getting hit over the non, most uh, ridiculous nonsense. And then the ladies are going to turn everything around. Right. Which, I mean... The, these things happen when you move. You get exposed to a different culture or subculture, like even within the United States. Mm -hmm. Like even like if I move from Keene, New Hampshire to Manchester, New Hampshire, right? There's there's a slight cultural difference between the two, right? And I'm just talking about surface stuff. So like these kinds of things used to be sort of the things that these uh, people looked forward to. I remember during the Cold War, you would get some uh, people fleeing uh, the USSR and making their way to the United States. And the first thing they would do is buy a pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. because, and get a Big Mac. Yeah, you know, and these kinds of things. So, like, I get what you're saying. I get that, like, within the cultures that they're escaping from, you know, there might be a way that they like to do things that probably wouldn't go over very well in the culture of the U.S. Right. Well, if that's true, then they should reconsider their relocation. Uh, it should have nothing and to do with government. Agreed. Um, but that's not the way things are going. And these woke people that are out there, if we're going to use this term, there are people out there that believe that all cultures are equal, right? Like, you know, brain-eating cannibals are equal to uh, Western man. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, like, I'm. there's something wrong with Western culture. Now, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but something's wrong with it. Well, we got what we got, so we know something's wrong with it, right? And yes, I think every culture has something to bring to the melting pot, but I want only the best morsels of the culture mm -hmm. stew. I don't want every piece of poo and bone that is brought uh, here. I think we've handled most of those things. We've already chatted about how, you know, we shouldn't cut the heads off gay guys and any variety of things that are out there. Um, so if we're. So if, hold, hold on. I want to respond to both of you uh, briefly uh, to Mark. I think the thing that uh, 
is wrong ultimately comes down to imperialism. So that seems to be the one like real hitch in the the Western system. Can you define is that, it, that as opposed well, to statism or nationalism? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it keeps coming down to this system of uh, rulers ruling rulers, yeah. which basically functions like a virus so that you can just expand perpetually and become more authoritarian and oppress more people. Okay. And uh, to, to your point, as far as like the problem reaction solution bit, I think that is a huge part of this. Uh, as always, they're trying to divide us right. as effectively as possible. Uh, none of this actually matters. Yes, there are more immigrants, but it's really not making a huge difference. What's important is that we hate each other. What's important is that the people on the left believe the people on the right are a bunch of white supremacists who are trying to take over and that the people on the left, the, uh, the people on the left are seen by the people on the right as a bunch of communists who are trying to take over right. and that we fight each other instead of actually going now, wait a second, what do we actually want? Yeah. And, and, and it's also important to be aware that they are prepared for this violence they are ready for whoever becomes violent and whoever wins and even on this dispute if if we have borders they're ready to make those borders oppressive if we don't have borders they're ready to make those absence of borders oppressive i would take people that want to come here that want to create a life put in the effort work whatever term you want to use there uh over a bunch of people that are already here who don't want to do those things. They they don't care. They don't they don't want to work. They don't have a job. They don't have everything handed to them. Like I, you know, let's swap some of these people, shall we? Right? right? Like I mean, that'd be great. <laughs> I I don't know that that's a realistic uh, thing, but like it just seems like if if we're going to proclaim the freest state in the world. Right, the freest government, right? Not even New Hampshire. I'm talking about the United States, right? People are coming here because it's it's more free than wherever the heck they're at, right? It's the it, it, sure it's another plantation, but man, at least you have Coke and Pepsi over here on this plantation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least you have Cheetos. We didn't have those in in the old plantation, so we're coming to your plantation now, right? I get it. I- yeah, and, and a lot that- of this is a lot of this is just an, an economic decision. So you know they come over here whether they should or not be entering this culture because they get paid to do so. Right. You know, like sure. someone was asking about uh, what do you think about the election? I think it's going to depend on the economy. If the economy goes well for the next year, then Biden stands a real chance of re-election. If it continues to do poorly as it's been, then Biden stands no chance of re-election. Yeah, that's the that's the end of the story is the um, the economy as perceived by Americans, um, as perceived by voters, because the economy may be doing swimmingly. The Democrats would love you to believe that it is. Um, MSNBC is declaring the economy several times a day to be have never been better. Just please vote for Uncle Joe, right? Um, whereas if you listen to the Republicans, you know, the, like, things have never been worse, which, of course, you know, the, there's plenty of numbers that suggest that they have absolutely been well, worse. And, and I've got numbers here. I did bring this in for show prep, even though we only have a couple of minutes. Uh, Peter St. Ange uh, has put together a blog post that says $2.7 trillion buys a spectacular GDP the point here is that uh, the government has uh, borrowed uh, $2.7 trillion 
uh, and it has gotten a GDP that is up somewhere around eight hundred billion. So it, it you no, think they could if you spend two trillion, you could get two trillion out of it. You'd think this is the 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 problem with government is that no, that never happens. What you think should happen or is going to happen specifically when it comes to numbers or financially related things never happens. They're horrible at this kind of stuff, and it's on purpose. It's not because they're inept. It's not because they're bad at math. It's not because they don't have calculators in the White House, right? It's because it's on purpose. They are taking and taking more for themselves and less for you, less for us, and everybody just allows it. Right. Only the government can spend uh, $2.3 trillion and get $0.8 trillion, um, in GDP. Uh, the number I, mean, I just found it is uh, uh, three hundred billion in extra GDP for a total really? of for a total of eight hundred and thirty four billion of new federal debt. So that's what the uh, the two point three. It's a miracle. Two point seven. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't, these numbers are just incomprehensible. It's inconceivable. And I guess with that, yes, thank you, Mark. Uh, We are out of time. Thank you, Peakless. Thank you, Mark, for joining us as usual. Uh, Thank you to all of our callers, all of our listeners, and, of course, uh, all of our amplifiers and sponsors. If you missed any part of the show, find the archives over at freetalklive.com. Thanks and peace. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com.